0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. I'm really excited this week. Uh, One of the things that we wanted this podcast to become was a place for people to be able to tell their story because we truly believe that the best sermons that we will ever preach are the lives that we live and the way that God intertwines amazing things in them. So the first person uh, that came to me and said that they wanted to tell their story, uh, was my good friend, David Bruns. And David's been here for a few months and, uh, he's, he's been asking me time and time again to tell his story. So would you just listen in on the story of David?
1: All right. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and just get going here. Thanks Evan. Um, so I moved up here in June. Um, didn't really know the first thing about Montana uh just knew that I wanted to get here yeah um so I did but there's a backstory to that and um that's what I'm gonna talk about um so in about like March of 2016 um I had just been really worn down from being in the military I was in the Air Force for almost four years and uh I was an aircraft mechanic and um doing my job well Uh, there was an opportunity to take like an extra assignment doing honor guard which those are the guys that do like uh, ceremonial burials and retirements and all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, it was a volunteer so I kind of thought I knew what I was going to get into um, from what people had told me in the past Um, in the stretch of about like four or five months I had done over 300 funerals wow. um, and it it just got to a point without me really knowing just it got me to a point of just numbness mm-hmm. and like lack of um, feeling mm-hmm. uh, of around death and stuff like that and um, so I came back uh, got done with that and then we had like we had a aircraft that I had worked on plow into the side of a mountain everybody died um, and so everybody got investigated cause that's just protocol. Right. Um, and so it was really weird because, you know, I had known some of those guys mm-hmm. and, uh, I had people coming up to me, you know, in suits saying, you know, well, how do you know it's not you? And this and that it's like, I was just doing my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just doing this. Well, after like a couple weeks of that, we had found out that it was an electronics issue. Mm-hmm. I the stuff that i did was just like lubricating uh mechanical stuff okay so it wasn't me and i knew that but it was just a terrible time right um then after that we had a string of like maybe like five suicides mm-hmm. in our like partner squadron so at my base we had c-130 aircraft it's a cargo aircraft and then we had b1 bomber aircraft mm-hmm. uh which you know that's what they did they dropped bombs yeah and stuff like that and um those guys worked just non-stop. I mean, those young guys were working 16, 18-hour days, no it was, weekends. Yeah. It was just, just destroying them. Um, but what was weird about it is it wasn't the young guys who were killing themselves. It was the older tech sergeants and staff sergeants that had been in for 12 years or 15 years that were doing it. And it was just crazy. Yeah. Um, it got to a point where there were so many of them that they started making it mandatory for us to go show up to them to, like, uh show support and stuff um and it really just like broke me down because it was i got to a point of just being so low where i was like man i don't want people being like mandatorily told to come show up to my funeral because i don't have anybody showing up right you know and then i just started believing that lie of you know well nobody would show up for me you know you know nobody loves me and this and that and um got to a point one night i went home and you know just usual routine making dinner drinking wine and it wasn't anything you know i never drank a lot um but that night was just different you know next thing i know i still hadn't taken off my uniform and the bottle of wine was gone Mm -hmm. and uh i'd always had a pistol in my house for like just protection because i didn't live on the best side of the city um but that night, I just was like, you know what? That's not a bad option. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's ponder that for a minute, you know, drunk. And that's, like, never a good idea. Yeah. Um, it just snowballed. It got really bad, and I, uh, like, went to reach for it. And my dog, Allie, who's, like, the best dog in the world, um, who I had only adopted 10 days prior. Mm-hmm. She still barely even knew me. She, like, stopped me and pinned me up against the wall started licking me and it just like broke me so hard because it was like just this like i i still to this day i think that god used her in that moment Mm. to just save me and just show me the love that i needed to pop out of that um so i was you know very thankful for that um but then i realized I was like okay this is something i need help with right if if i'm that at that you know Mm -hmm. point of thought where it's like okay that's the best option I have, we have an issue here. Um, So I went to my leadership the next day, told them about it. I said, you know, this is what's going on. I feel like right now that uh, nobody cares about me here. Um, I feel like I'm just wasting away here at work. Um, And I just don't feel like being alive is all that worth it right now. But I'm telling you because I need help. And I don't know how to go about doing it the proper way, but I want to do it the right way. Yeah. And he was like, "All right, you know," he took care of me. He was uh, he was a master sergeant at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, it was Master Sergeant Gilson. And he would he went short for Buzz for mm-hmm. Buzz Lightyear because he always had his head shaved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he was a great guy, and he started getting me in a treatment facility. We got there; it was very quick. Once that stuff starts happening, it's within 24 hours you're in treatment. Wow. That's just like military protocol. It was good. I thought I was really being taken care of, and everybody cared for me. Um, I was, I don't know how many days in I was. I think it was like in there for a total of 10. But, um, you know, when they they bring you in, they meet you up with a psychiatrist to talk and like kind of in process and see where you're at mentally and all that stuff. And then they start kind of working with you the next few days. So... Um, at one point I had told them about how I used to go to like meetings with my parents for like depression and stuff, but it wasn't for me. It was, they were having some stuff that they were working through and I was a really young kid. I just had to be there cause my mom, it was either that or my mom had to put me in daycare. Right. Right. Well, uh, come to find out that psychiatrist broke confidentiality and told my leadership and they're like, Oh, this kid's been lying about dealing with depression and suicidal thoughts his whole time. So they said, okay, um, we're going to administratively kick you out and we're going to make it look like you never was here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to rip you of all your benefits, your health care, all that's gone. But you can get out quick. And at that point, I was so upset. I was like, you know what? Fine. Mm-hmm. Get me out of here because y'all don't care. And I obviously don't need to be here any longer than I am right now. I mean, one of the guys looked at me, and he was like, I think you're faking it. I was like, I'm so glad you're not my doctor. Right, <laughs> like, right. like, you know, it was just just a total insensitive, like they were covering the, their butts, yeah. and they didn't care. They didn't care. And, um, man, I just like, you know, the one time that I was trying to get help, mm-hmm. and I was like, God, I need help. And I thought I was getting it. And then it was just like, boom, no. You are getting burned, and we're getting kicked you out. We're gonna kick you out. Um, so that was just like really destructive, and so that was March of two thousand sixteen. Okay. So leaving the military did not end on a good note, and I was still very raw in emotion. I mean, I got uh, I was dealing with major depression, depression, and like PTSD symptoms and stuff like that from what I had seen, and um, and experienced and it was just raw it was just raw and it was a bad time um, so I moved back home um, with my parents and started trying to appeal that process because I knew it was wrong right. that, 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 out of everything that I could put together out of that I knew at least that wasn't right, right. Yeah. Um, did that uh, Tried to get an appointment psychiatrist through the VA. I mean, it was a year later that I finally got one.
0: Hmm.
1: And, and in the meantime, it's just like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know,
0: That's crazy. It, was,
1: it was insane. I'm surprised that I didn't revisit that whole situation again mm-hmm. in that time. I think that God was taking care of me. And he was just like, no, like, I'm bringing you home. I'm delivering you from that. You don't have to be there anymore. And I'm going to take care of you right now and kind of get you safe. And I didn't know that at the time. I was so angry at God. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck? I'm trying to do the right thing and I get in trouble for it? Mm-hmm. What? No. Um, so that that was like the first just kind of phase of these past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one was that, you know, I had kind of started getting some treatment here and there, but it was just, they were just giving me pamphlets. And it's just like, dude, I can look at this on Google is not right happening. yeah um, so at one point my mom told me you know what you know that's not fair and I don't like that you know do you want to go to school and I said yeah absolutely um, and it was actually funny so I have been to Montana before before this past June okay. I actually was visiting or in, in intentionally going to try to go to uh, Missoula for college okay. And uh, went there and visited. I wasn't even there for 24 hours. I was like, "No, this ain't right. Like, this (laughs) is just like a little too crazy for me." (laughs) Um, But when I was here, I went to Flathead Lake, and I knew I had to make it back here someday. Just at that, I I knew at least that. Right. Um, Ended up going to college in a university called Stephen F. Austin State University, and I was majoring in forestry. Uh, Because I wanted to... uh, It was so funny. I thought, in in my head, I was like, well, I want to be like a lumberjack, basically. I want to go work for the National Forest Service and just chop trees down for a living. Hmm. And so... um, Because I knew at that time I needed to be out in nature. That was the only thing that was saving me, was being outside. Hmm. Um, So I went to school. And... um, I signed up for the military when I was 19 years old. So I did not get the, you know, quote-unquote college experience. And um, to be honest, still, I wasn't a very strong Christian at that time. So I thought that that was an important thing to have. Um, And so I started rushing a fraternity at 25 years old. I was just so dumb. Like, (laughs) I was the old guy. I was driving everybody home. Like, you know, it was just... But I thought that that's what you do. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, at first it wasn't too bad. It was, you know, it was a good time. But I just started seeing the destruction in that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, there was this one girl I saw at the beginning of the semester. She just had the greatest smile. She was just an innocent, you know, fun-loving person. And, you know, by, by midterms, she was trying cocaine. Mm-hmm. And it's just like,
0: what the
1: heck is mm-hmm. going on? When I started seeing that stuff, I was like, I know, like, what what's going on um so I got out of that I I got out of that and I was like no I'm not going to be part of this um so probably about that November I met uh this girl and seemed like everything was going really great um was not smart about that process I mean we basically uh we basically got together the first night mm-hmm. we met and that's never a good idea because yeah. <laughs> it just puts the blinders on immediately right yeah um but i was just in such a raw state of being that anything that resembled comfort or love mm-hmm. i just latched onto it mm-hmm. and i didn't care who or what it was from mm-hmm. um and so by that spring i was married oh wow. by that spring i was married and I thought that it was the right thing. I mean, I thought I was just in this great relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was anything but that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was getting me to get rid of all my friends. She was taking all my time. My grades just dropped. Um, and uh, it was funny. We got married on my birthday. <laughs> It was the dumb, like, seriously, it was just the dumbest thing. Like, my sister, who's three years younger than me, was getting married uh, maybe a month before that. And so, in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm the older sibling. Right. I should be getting married okay. first. This is weird. Mm-hmm. So, like, honestly, in all of that stupidity, that was half the reason why I got married. It was dumb. <laughs> you know, it was just like, God. Like, I was so just blinded and hurt that I didn't care what I was doing I was I I titled this part in my outline as just a pursuit of false love Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: I I, with just false premises I just thought that this is love and this is what it looks like and it's like no (laughs) I can just I could just envision God being like I love you my child but I've got something better for you Mm -hmm. like this is not it like Mm -hmm. it's okay Mm -hmm. You're, you're gonna get through this and I'll bring you through it but this ain't right. <laughs> like I'm gonna I gotta get you out of here. Yeah. Um so that was like May of 2017, right? Um right a couple months after that, uh, my uncle like killed himself. Hmm. And it was weird because he did the very thing that I almost did and so it was very surreal because it was like I got to see what probably would have happened if I had done it and it was just mm-hmm. the pain that everyone felt yeah. the just like the hurt that just widespread just washed out on our family mm-hmm. was just so sobering mm-hmm. and it was like man I almost did that and like I almost did that to my mom that was the biggest thing that I got out of that was like I almost made my mom feel that mm-hmm. and I would have felt I mean, obviously, I wouldn't have felt terrible. I would have been dead. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I could have had emotions about it, I would have felt so awful. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, the common thing that I always hear some people say, and not everybody says it, but they always, they're like, well, suicide is such a selfish thing. It's like, you know, I've been to a point where I thought that that was my option, and that's what it is. You, you just get to that point where you... Your mind is just like, there is no other way mm-hmm. to stop this pain. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to stop hurting. Mm-hmm. And th- 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 I, that's what I truly believe is just people, they just don't want to hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, they just think that that's the only option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was just crazy. It was so crazy to just know my uncle one day and the next he's gone. Mm-hmm. So... Going with the whole death thing. It's just, it keeps on going. This whole pain, this destruction is just still going. Um, It's not letting up. Um, After that, my parents got divorced. (laughs) And I kind of saw that coming. Uh, My sister, not as much. Um, So, you know, people would be like, oh, man, that's so bad. that You know, parents got divorced. I'm like, eh, whatever. (laughs) But I really didn't realize what kind of stuff was starting to grow underneath because of that Mm. um my marriage just started getting really bad um like i said before and and it took two people and i want to i want to i want to say that because i don't want people to think that i'm just here bashing my ex-wife because i'm not um it takes two people i was in a spot where i didn't care i didn't care about anything i just wanted what i wanted and i wanted a wife and i wanted. just a relationship, to where I could just do whatever I want, and um, I also failed in, in uh, practicing good dating habits, you know, mm-hmm. as a Christian, right. and I failed in um, with my anger. I think a lot. Mm-hmm. I think my the way my depression and PTSD started surfacing was just through anger, just sheer anger, <laughs> and I never. You know, did anything with it? It just would come out, and it would just exhaust itself through just words. You mm-hmm. know, um, but it was bad, and she was dealing with family turmoil. She was dealing with identity turmoil, and I mean, honestly, like, what else would you have expected to happen? You know, I, I don't, I don't fault her, and I don't um, think that. You know, I think it's just one of those things where it was like, you, you know, it just wasn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. And we both didn't know what we want. We were super young. Yeah. And, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but it just got worse. It just got worse. I mean, it got to the point where we were screaming at each other's lungs at 3 in the morning. And it got to the point where oh, one night after moving back and forth between my parents' house and her Parents' house, like three or four times. She lived in Houston. I live in San Antonio. And that was in the span of like three or four months. You know, um, it just got to one night where we were just fighting, and I was going to leave the room. And I said, I need this fight to stay in here. This is my mother's house, and this fight stays in here. And I need you to respect that. And as soon as I walked out the door, she just grabbed me by the arm and tried to throw me back in. And I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I'm done. This is. Volatile. This is abusive. Um, this is manipulative. All this stuff. I mean, it was just chaos. It was just uncontrolled chaos. Mm. And and like I said, I still hadn't had an appointment with psychiatry yeah. then. So I was dealing with all this just bad stuff. And I couldn't, I didn't have any help. And so I filed for divorce. I said, you know what? I watched my mom get verbally abused for years and um, have her identity chopped down on for years and it would be stupid of me to not learn anything from that and stand up for myself Mm -hmm. Um, so I did Um, so that was again like just another just traumatic part Um, it was just it just was it wasn't good um pause for a second here um okay so uh you know i like i said i went to school i got married and i got divorced um i left that school on academic probation <laughs> like did not do good and it wasn't even hard classes either it was just like general education stuff um so, But then I started being able to go to therapy. Okay. I, just, I finally started getting some appointments with the VA. And I started going. I started working on stuff. I um, actually went back to school again. I started going to school to become a radiology technician. Okay. So they do x-rays and mm-hmm. stuff like that. and um, I was doing good. But I just still felt this pull to leave... Texas. That's that's where I'm from, San Antonio, Texas. Um, I just felt like God was calling me. He's like, I need you to meet me out in Montana.
0: Hmm.
1: I need you to come out here so I can talk to you. Hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, I literally Google searched uh, Billings and noticed that it was a pretty big city. It was the biggest city in Montana. And but it was small you mm-hmm. know I come from a city of like 4 million people yeah. and to see like 140,000 I was like oh man that sounds amazing yeah. I hate people <laughs> 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 um, and uh, so I just packed everything up I was able to land a hat making job out right. here just to and I did the numbers and it was going to cover what it was would be to live out here so I said, all right, that's that's good enough for me. So I packed up my little truck and moved out here in and, and June. And um, I still had no idea what I was doing out here. I had no idea why. I just knew at that point that God was like, come, mm. come. And so I did. And um, the Thursday that I had moved here, so I moved here on uh, like a Wednesday, the next day, I had met a married couple at Target that goes here. Hmm. And, because they made a comment, because I was buying all these, like, cleaning supplies. They're like, oh, you can come clean my house if you want. And I was like, oh, yeah, I just moved here from Texas. And so, they were like, you know, you should come to Faith Chapel. It's a, a, you know, it's a big church, and everybody's really cool. And up until that point, I really had experienced some scars from church. Mm. I was still Christian, but the first thing i told them that was i probably i'm probably not going to make it cuz i hate church i hate it absolutely hate it um and they're like well that's okay like you know just promise me you'll come out one time and like just give it a shot if you don't like it we get it it's cool um i came out that sunday and i've been coming ever since man mm-hmm. God, faith chapel is just it's a home home for everyone and you can come as you are I mean I'm covered nobody can see me right now obviously a <laughs> podcast but I'm covered in tattoos yeah. from my arms up my chest and I yeah. plan on getting more Yeah, like <laughs> you know I don't look like the typical Christian um, and I just fit right in here mm-hmm. everybody treats everybody with respect and kindness and it's just like you're never too far gone you can come here and and got you um so i started coming here i started coming to faith chapel and i met um really good friend of mine sam burpo i give a shout out to him uh he i met him at church and coffee at okay. mof that was my first like group event that yeah. i attended uh at faith chapel yeah and man that was probably the night my life changed for sure um since then i just started getting plugged in like college age i started getting plugged in with um uh monday nights there's a there's a ministry off campus uh and uh it's just a great place to be on monday nights and to Mm -hmm. get prepared for your week i started uh uh, just coming in i just started coming in and i started making friends and i don't i'd never known what that was like Mm -hmm. um But then God was calling me again. He said, dude, the job that you're at right now is not the job I want for you. You need to leave it. I was like, well, what do I do? This is like, I moved here for this job. (laughs) I can't just quit and then not work. You know, I got bills to pay. I just bought a brand new truck, which, you know, I still have it, and it's great. But probably wasn't the smartest idea when I first got here. (laughs) Um, But God said, and he said, you know what, come work for me. Still, I was like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, but I said okay, and I quit my job with no uh, prospects, jobs. Yeah. In front of me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I just at that point I was being obedient. Mm-hmm. Um, and three weeks go by and nothing. I'm just like, oh my goodness, like I have to go back home. I have no money. I my at that point in time, my sister had called me and said. And now I'm getting divorced with my husband. Whoa. And she had done it the right way. Yeah. You know, like she had dated him for like two years. And they were in college together. And they were always at church with each other and stuff like that. And now this is happening. It's like my family's falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what do I do? And so I really thought, I mean, I had had my U-Haul rented. And I was leaving the next day. And again, Sam came to me and he said, man, I don't know really like what's going on because I really hadn't told anybody all that much what was going on. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, I just feel like, you know, I want to share something with you. He's like, there is a job opening here at Faith Chapel for the maintenance team. and I know it doesn't make what you're needing it to make to stay here, but I think you should take it. I said, man, you know, like I wish I could, but I don't know how I can.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I still have to come up with all this other income to live here. And, but I said, okay. So I applied for the job. I got the job offer, but still had no prospects for a living place. So I had to actually turn down the job. Mm -hmm. I had to turn down this job. The one thing that was like looking good because I still didn't have enough. Well, that night at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, like we, the college age kids, usually we go to like Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that afterwards to hang out. Um, And I met uh, this guy named Chance Boston and uh, I was just talking to Sam about, you know, what do I do? Like, this, all this stuff is going on I don't know what to do and I need a place to live and he was a stranger at that moment. Yeah. I didn't know him. I didn't even know his name and he was sitting next to me and he goes, oh, you need a place to live? Like, I just bought a house and I'm renting it out. I was like, well, how much is it for? And he was like, well, you know, he gave me a number and it was the exact <laughs> number that I needed. It was literally yeah. half what I was paying for at the time and I said, yes, I'll take it. But then again, I was like, I just turned down the job. <laughs> like, what do I do? So yeah. the next day I bought a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and walked into Lori's office here. <laughs> I said, I know I just texted you yesterday. I can't take the job, but I found a place to live. Please just reconsider. And she's like, I-, I mean, I can try. I mean, I just told the boss here that you turned down the job, but I'll try Yeah, and I'll let you know. And sure enough, I got the job mm. and uh, so I was like, okay, I'm here. Um, so I, I, you know, I moved over there and, and got, got back in there. Um, and God called me again. He said, David, can you need to start telling your story. I was terrified. I hate talking in front of people. Absolutely hate it. I, like since I was a little kid, my self defense mechanism has been to cry in front of people, which is like the worst nightmare that could happen. You know, it's the worst thing that could go wrong, other than like being in your underwear. Yeah. You know. Um, and I was like, gosh, like God, please don't make me do this. But I had been obedient. I had been healing. And I had been working on myself. So I was at the point where I said, you know what? is gonna suck but okay yeah. um, and that was like the first conversation I had with you I came with you I came to you a- a- after a uh, college age one night I said man I don't know why but God's telling me I gotta share my story yeah, I remember yeah and um. and you said okay that's cool Um, keep coming for a couple more months and I was like no like what <laughs> like oh no I gotta keep coming and and I, I, it wasn't an issue for me. Of course, yeah. I wanted to keep coming, <laughs> but it was just like, okay, all right. I now like I gotta I gotta keep coming, and I, and I did. Of course, I kept showing up. You know, it was a great place here. And um, in that time, though, God had given me situations to start sharing my story in a much smaller, intimate setting, mm. um, like the. The ministry that I mentioned that's off campus yeah. at these people's house. Um, it's a Valor House Ministries. Yeah. Brady and Sammy. Yeah, yeah, great. Another great couple people. Amazing. Yeah. And just wonderful people here. Um, they, almost every week, they give us the opportunity to kind of share what's going on with our life. And so that's what I did. And the first time I did it, Sure enough, I was crying halfway through and just like my mouth was quivering the whole time. Like it was terrible, but I told it and by the end of it, everybody in the room was just in tears Mm. and everybody, and I was like, whoa, like, okay, God, yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep sharing because obviously these people are feeling something here, right? Yeah, Um, and so I started sharing more, started sharing more, started getting more comfortable, more comfortable in front of the microphone, in front of people. Um And then, you know, a couple months went by. And I came to you and I said, okay, it's still there. God's still telling me, hey, you need to share. Yep. Um, and here we are yeah. today. You know, here we're talking we about it. We're on the podcast. And <laughs> it's just so crazy, the journey, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, when he first told me, you know, this is what I want you to do you know, I'm this terrible person. <laughs> and like, I've gone through so much stuff. I am like the worst example of anybody here. You know, why I why do you want me to talk about this? And, and he just was like, because I love you. Mm. He's like, because I love you. And because people need to hear it, right? I think a lot of us kids, you know, I, I still consider myself a kid, I'm 26 years old, mm-hmm. but I mean, just the other day, one of the people at the coffee shop—they're like, "You're not 17." I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm 26." <laughs> like, thanks. Um, My mom told me I could get all these yeah, tattoos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I feel like kids our age—we right now are given a bad rap for talking about our problems. For sure. You know, because our problems aren't real. Mm. You know, you know, you haven't had a career. You haven't had a real job. You've only gone to college. Mm-hmm. How can you have real problems? Yeah. And it's like. It's the exact opposite. It's like, we have problems. We have crap. Yeah. And we need to talk about it. Absolutely. Suicide is so crazy right now. Mm -hmm. It's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't think all of it can be prevented, but I think a lot of it can be. If people just talk to each other Mm -hmm. and realize that, hey, you know, I may not be going exactly what you're going through right now, but I'm going through something and it sucks Mm. and there's community in that yeah oh absolutely just just like knowing that somebody else is not having a good time like makes you feel better about yourself (laughs) you know you're like oh okay cool like I feel less bad thank you for that (laughs) or you go wow I'm a little bit better off than I thought I was (laughs) like you know it it helps you gain perspective because you know I didn't see combat I didn't lose my leg or something like that I didn't get a traumatic brain injury and my my god I'm so thankful
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm so thankful for that yeah. you know um, but you know I still have stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it still sucks yeah Um. so everybody that I talk to just and been sharing this story everybody just looks at me and goes that is so much
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's crazy or oh my gosh like I'm so sorry and mm-hmm. I'm like you know what not Mm. I'm I am thankful for it because one of the things I learned is just like you know God is always there for us and I know it's so cheesy to say that but he is always there Mm
0: -hmm.
1: no matter what right yeah and um it's it's just crazy to see that now um there's always things to learn always things to learn whenever God puts you in a hard situation or a hard spot in your life just and I'm so lucky that I did but you Mm -hmm. gotta lean in on him right you have to or you will fall victim Mm -hmm. to whatever situation you're in Mm -hmm. you will lose yeah we're not designed to do this on our own that's good we're designed to do it with others and to do it with God Mm -hmm. um because there is no other way you'll fail every other time Mm -hmm. And the quicker you learn that now, the easier or or, or, or faster you're going to start healing. Yeah. Um, I also learned that, you know, loving yourself to a certain extent is good. Right. Yeah. You've got to take care of yourself it, yeah. to a certain threshold. Yeah. You know, when, when I was in that marriage, I when I left it, I was taking care of myself. I was standing up for myself. Yeah. I said, you know what? I'm not going to go through this. I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm my God loves me and I know that a lot of people are on both sides about divorce and stuff but you know what when you're in that destructive of a scenario and you can't get out I think God knows that Mm -hmm. I think he knows the heart and he knows that you just don't want to hurt anymore Mm -hmm. and I think he he's okay with that Mm -hmm. but you know I'm not this theological person so that's just my personal opinion yeah um and then uh I think one of the biggest things I learned is that, like God, uses our experiences to help other people walk through theirs, mm-hmm. right? So almost every time that I was telling somebody what I was going through, when I came up here, they had either said or known somebody that had just gotten through that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or was just a couple steps ahead. Yeah, you know, I think I think God knows that if we tried to just do it all right away it wouldn't work so he gives us a couple steps to start working on and working forward and moving forward Mm -hmm. and he puts people in our lives to walk us through that Mm -hmm. Um, but we gotta show up yeah (laughs) Um, because you gotta say or get over the thought of well my problem is too big Mm -hmm. or or, I'm too far gone it's like no God is just like my child like I've got you right here Mm -hmm. like you are right where you need to be you're not too far gone right there um and uh it's just I'm just thankful you know I I don't know I'm still I'm still trying to figure out why I'm here Mm -hmm. I think I know I'm here for the community that I've gained I mean my goodness the friends and the real people that I've had genuine intimate uh talks and just friendship with has been so huge in this um And I know that God's been really putting it on my heart to help other people, Mm -hmm. Um, specifically with medicine, I'm pretty sure. Um, So probably about two weeks ago, I had received a letter from Washington, D.C. And, you know, at this point, it's been almost two and a half years since I started that appealing process of Mm -hmm. my discharge. Um, A panel met, they looked at my case, and they said, yeah you were not treated appropriately and we find all of these infractions that the military has made upon you and so we are restoring your discharge up to honorable discharge and not only that but you're going to get your health care back and you're going to get your education benefits back paid in full
0: let's go yeah yes let's go (laughs) like
1: i'm like all right like god is good and i you know, I think about stuff like that, too. I'm always trying to, like, evaluate, well, why is this happening? Why is that happening? And honestly, I think if I had been given it when I was married, I would have crapped all my grades away, and I would have wasted all my money, my stipend, all that stuff. I don't think I would have had an education. I don't think I would have been ready to receive a gift that God had had in store for me. That's good. I think I would have wasted it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm putting things together and. Just leaning to God, trying to be obedient to stuff, um, and so in the spring I'll be going to college. All right. I'll be 26 years old, going to college That's okay. as a freshman. That's like okay. You know, it's gonna be an experience, but it's so crazy. Yeah, this was, you know, this was two years ago. Yeah, that all this stuff started happening, and. When I got out here, it really catapulted. It yeah. really, really just the healing came, and it's just been crazy. Yeah, I I, I don't I not you know I don't think that God wants it to be a boring story for anyone.
0: No,
1: you know it never is. It really never is. Everybody yeah. always has such a unique story. For sure. And everybody needs to share it. For sure. Um, yeah. So thank you for putting me on here Absolutely, today man. and like... thank you
0: so much for <laughs> sharing your story it takes a ton of courage to do it and even though it's not in front of a ton of people it's that's okay it still takes courage and, and uh if it impacts we talked about this before we even started but it impacts one person it's worth yeah. it right and Absolutely. uh i'm just thankful for everything that you're doing man and uh I hope this is just the beginning of a lot of things and i love that you're a part of our family i'd love that you're yeah. college age and that we have you as a brother and uh I'm excited. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for for everything that God's doing through your life. So thanks again, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. I hope that David's story resonated with you, and I hope that you can maybe pull him aside and have a conversation with him. Thanks again to David uh, for being willing to do that. We love this place. We love this family, and we love that God is doing so many different things through so many different lives, and we're excited for what the future has to hold. We love you guys, and we will see you very, very soon.